Alrighty, guys, welcome to another episode of the Millionaires to Billionaires podcast. I am your host, Michael Law, with my co-host, Blake Hahn. And man, today, I'm excited for our podcast today because no words could explain our guest. So I'm going to tell you a quick little story. To It needs a story introduction. Is The first time I met this individual, he actually flew into town and showed up to an event on a Thursday. And we just connected for just a moment. I think it was literally just an hour event. We were there, we were chatting and just networking with other people. And then I bumped into him, we started conversating. And then from Thursday, we continued to meet Friday. Then we met again on Saturday. Then we met again on Sunday. Then we met again on Monday, then Tuesday, then Wednesday. It was just every single day it was just connecting, connecting, reconnecting, reconnecting, reconnecting because the energy is so authentic and the energy is real. So with that being said, guys, I want to introduce our guest, Crypto Phil. How are you doing, brother? Guys, blessings. Thank you for being here. Thank you guys for watching and uh, honestly just being present in this moment with people who actually have the same mindset. And by mindset, we all have the same mindset, but people who have struggled and understand adversity is such a blessing. Mm-hmm that until we've struggled, we wouldn't know what prosperity is like. We wouldn't know why we're fighting, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just so grateful to be here and, and to share some of the stories that has gotten me to where I am. And just to connect, because I know you guys have similar stories and we're all the same, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man, I'm excited, man. Um, one thing that I could say is uh, your energy is very, it's known, you know, when you're in the building. And when I walked into that building just two nights ago and everything, I, I felt it and I knew it right away. And to, mm. for, for one thing that I love about you is you came in with full open arms. You're no shake, no nothing. You feel the energy. It's like, it's almost like I'm all thinking about a neuron now. I like know. when your neurons <laughs> connect, I almost, that's what I felt like. It's like, we're like a neuron that connected and everything. And it's like, boom. And yeah. like, you just feel it and it just hits. So I could imagine what it was for you two when oh, you dude, first hit that, talk that about first seven time. days in a row without, yeah. without, well, that's how, you know, yeah. like it was like, I got to, I got to, Hey, we're going up North to Sedona. We're going to go on a, on a hike. I never been. Let's go. You yeah. Know, pick me up on the way. I'll see you there. And it was crazy when he met me too. I was challenging myself. I came back from Dubai. I met a young man who his life was transforming. I'm like, well, for a young guy like you, you're going through a period where some people don't see to the 30 or 40. Yeah. He said, well, I did a 14 day fast. So I came back here to AZ. Mm. I was like, I'm doing a 14 day fast. Now I only made it eight days, but when me and Michael met, I started my fast. So each day we went hiking. I started with you right there. Yeah, everybody yeah. just followed. Everybody was just, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't pressured either. Yeah. Everybody just wanted to join in and, yeah. and, and just find themselves in the journey. And I did an eight day water fast and just lemon and tea and everyone complaining about these false narratives of how they would feel and think they're all just these false things that we create, right? Right. But during the eight day fast is when there was something happening inside of me where I get to just like, give right the words and the vision and hiking and 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 the endurance right after four days of fasting and hiking barefoot in sedona and and hiking the mountain up here so hold on real quick i'm gonna stop you where you're at yeah barefoot 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 hiking. Okay, barefoot and hiking where uh, what state where so we hiked here <laughs> what was the one we went to the uh the one we always go you and david always go to so we did ps to wall ps to wall barefoot barefoot the bacteria from your gra- from the ground is so powerful for your feet, and it's good for us to connect, right? And this mountain is straight incline too, by the way. Straight incline, and it's like acupuncture, right? You think about like 
when you get a massage and you apply, you apply pressure and then you release, yeah, we need that for our feet because remember the Spartans fought <laughs> with just their feet. Well, that's what's crazy, but it's just like, it really is. So I know Michael was telling me one thing on that is like, we have all these shoes and everything, but it's like, when you really look at it, it's like the shoes, the socks, everything, yes, it's great and it's protecting our feet, but it's also, it's not good because it's not making your feet strong. So it's really making right. you your feet a lot weaker, which... I could yeah. vouch for that because if you, if I take my shoes off and I go walk on those rocks, you're going to watch me cry. I'm going to be ow, 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 ow. Yeah. But it's like when you're when I'm here, you went on a hike barefoot in Arizona yeah. with this weather. I'm like, like how, why? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I couldn't even yeah. make – like I would have took off. I would try. But I feel like I would have got five steps. Like dog, I, I can't do this, dog. Like I got to put my stuff back on. If you want me to go up this mountain with you, right. I got to put my shoes back on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like how did you – was that your first – was that your – like, did you hike barefoot too? I've hiked barefoot, but not uh, with that hike. I did not. So, so you was, were the only one that did? It was him. So that was a hike without me. That was just So I, I did that hike three days in a row. So what happened was I started my fast, and I didn't know I was going on a hike. I went with Wolf. Yeah. And we hiked it, and I started my fast. I'm like, all right, well, I, I drank a ton of water that day. I felt good. Got my exercise in. The next day, David was like, we're going back to Piasqua. I said, bet. Let's but, go back. So what, but the, like, how many times have you walked or hiked barefoot before that. First like, time. That was your first, that's what I was, yeah. so your first time and you did it. First time fasting eight days, first time going barefoot. Damn, bro, I'm in a props. mode where I just like, there's nothing that we're incapable of. We're, we're limitless, right? Expand on that well, though. Like talk about, talk about the grounding of, of why, why that's important. So yeah. And, and what did you have to have here to get you to, 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 to go through that? Really, How did that first step feel? Wow. I, I think it's, <laughs> I, I think the whole process is, as simple as you make it. The only time it's hard is when somebody, it's like when a baby falls and you either laugh or you cry and they copy the same emotion. Mm -hmm. So if I choose to go through this change and I'm saying I'm limitless, I was like, I'm limitless. I'm doing an eight day fast. I can hike. People say, you're hiking, fasting, barefoot. I'm like, yeah, it's normal. Well, that's what I just heard. That's all. I'm <laughs> like, dude. It, it's only abnormal if you think it's abnormal, right? Yeah. It's all about what you think, your perception, right? Yeah. And the perception of what I had was, what if I just redo things and make it normal? What if I climb this mountain and I think that it's hard, but I say that it's easy. So the entire time I'm walking, I was, just, I was like a kid again, right? It was just having fun and not having any fears mm -hmm. or not assuming that it's right or wrong. This is the way that I'm doing it because it feels great. Yeah. And I think the journey on the way up was so powerful because not only did the, the rocks that, I, one thing that I love about climbing mountain is that when we're in a city, right? We're on the ground. They're stepping underneath the ground, right? So, like, yeah. underneath this ground, there's a whole bunch of stuff that people put in it. But when you go and climb these mountains, it's just raw, mm -hmm. right? Raw bacteria yeah. and, and raw energy. So, uh, through that hike and everything, like, so did you, you hiked up barefoot and did you hike back down barefoot? Yeah. So, I, I gashed my foot open. That's what I was going to say. So, like, where, like, at the end, like, what did your feet look like and how did <laughs> yeah. you feel? And with no. that, did it did, because of this, it's like, <laughs> all right, I'll just go get a, I'll go. I mean, feet, feet were looking rough. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely one, it was like a, um, a manicure's nightmare for sure. But, <laughs> but the great thing about it was I felt like, I felt like I got stronger. I'm like, wow, if I'm capable of doing something what I thought could have been difficult, what else okay. can I do? What else can you do? And that's where it transcended my entire vision of just like shedding, right? And after that hike and after even Sedona, the amount yeah. of just like, the, the fact that we're so connected to nature, right? You think about all the drugs people take and... And you look at where they get some of these things from, they get it from the plants. So you get back to the source and the source is nature. We are connected to nature and you do it without any of the mixing and the adding of anything. Oh, yeah. And you get the raw, you get, it's pure. all pure, right? Pure. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. I like it. So real quick, um, tell everybody you're traveling right now. Yeah. You, uh, you're working on a documentary right now? Yes. Uh, you know, let us know how it's going. Tell us about the journey so far wow. when, from the start, yeah. you know, and, and how it's going. You just showed up a couple days, a Wednesday, flew in from Peru. Yes. So uh, update us. What's going on there? So I'll backtrack and just give the momentum of why I'm doing it and then dive into how it's going. Absolutely. I was going to say, give us your story, like in a nutshell, back it up so we know how you got here and where you, like, where you came from. So do you want me to, you want me to kind of back let's up? Start, let's start from where you came from. Where'd you, talk about your background, childhood, like, yeah, where'd like you come from, oh, where'd wow. you grow up? All right, quick. we're going to get, okay. Um, we can start in Miami. So born in Miami in okay. uh, 93. We left in 99. So around that time, my parents split up for a little while. My mom, during the time in 99, there weren't many jobs in Miami. And my dad has always been an entrepreneur, so that was just always something. He never had a regular job. Yeah. But when they split up for a couple months, my mom was just tired of the poverty and the distress of just um, a lot of just negative vibes going on in that area. So she left to Atlanta, and she just went to go stay with a friend. And we had no intentions on leaving to Georgia, but my mom stayed there. She stayed with a friend, and then the church helped her get an apartment. We had no furniture, no nothing. She had no car or anything but the church provided for so in December, we went from Miami to Atlanta and we brought shorts and sandals. We didn't know, we've always been in tropical weather. So we go up to Georgia and the first two months we're sleeping on the floor pretty much until, my, until the church can provide How more. old were you uh, when you moved to Georgia? So six. That was six? Yeah, okay. that was uh, going into first grade. Okay. And the first two months we didn't have any clothes. We slept on the floor for about two months and my mom was the only one. She got a job at Office Depot at the warehouse. Yeah. And we didn't have a car big enough to hold us all. So she had like a, I don't know what she, it looked like a Pontiac. Like it, it was a two-door Pontiac. Obviously couldn't fit five kids. And just so you guys know, to backtrack that, um, I'm one of 11. Ooh, but only yeah. five of us went. So my two older brothers, so there's four before my mom. And then with my mom, my, there's seven of us. And there's two older brothers. And I have two older sisters and then me, the middle child. But what happened was when we went to Atlanta, I went from being in the middle to then being big brother. Oh, because my cousin was only five you guys went, so now you were the oldest. Yes. Oh, well, I, I, was, I was the oldest brother. I had two older sisters. Okay. But what, what the shift was that leadership role shifted, right? And it shifted at a young age. So becoming the bigger brother means setting the example, having to mentally mature a little faster, understanding who you are and what you're capable of. And, um, diving into moving to Georgia, we um, grew up in the projects and we went to, we lived in like Section 8 housing. So growing up, it was, I, you, you're not aware of it, right? As a kid, you don't, you just know that you're in a place where your parents want to do better for you. But you also got to remember that if your parents aren't leading you, or if your dad isn't leading you, then the streets are going to lead you. And this goes back to, most of the friends I grew up with at the time were, uh, it was multicultural, so a lot of first generation, Russians, Hispanic, Asian. So I was around a lot of kids where it was, we were the ones that helped translate things for our parents, right? And we were the ones, that, some kids don't, didn't have to go through this, but when it came to signing paperwork from your elementary school, when your parents didn't understand what it was, you'd have to kind of like explain it to them. And like parent-teacher conferences, there was no parent and teacher conference, you, it was you, because your parents had to go work you know, the nine to five at a warehouse. Yeah. So, and then when it came to structure too, when it comes to like doing homework and stuff, you had to pick your time. Like your parents aren't there to say, hey, get your work done. 
No, you're supposed to figure that out as a kid, mm-hmm. as a seven-year-old kid. So the imbalance of time and going to sleep late and when they come home. But one thing my parents always did, they always worked hard because they always wanted something better for us. But at the same time, it was also growing up in a place where a lot of the kids were also trying to figure it out too. So you're all trying to take care of your of of where you're going, but understand how to become an adult at the age of seven. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's hard. Yeah, I hear you on that. I, I, I feel you. Yeah, so growing up in that. And then so fast forward, um, after Lee, my parents finally saved up enough money to get out of the projects, and we got our first house, which is what, what house we just sold in 2005. So, okay. so six years later? Yeah, six years later. Yeah, finally got a house, and um, I helped in them. In Georgia? Pick, in Georgia, yep. Okay. Helped them pick it out. We went from Section 8 and poverty. Um, and this was actually a time where it wasn't really talked about, but most of my friends didn't have a dad growing yeah. up. Yeah. So you either had your, your older brother or your cousin who was like your mentor, and you didn't really think anything of it, right? A lot of people, I mean, I was blessed to have my dad my entire life, and, but many of my friends, they, they didn't have a leader. Yeah, no, no. Right? So going into uh, Section 8 and government housing to lower middle class, that was like an upgrade. I went to a school where that, that it was still considered a downgrade. I went to one of the biggest high schools and the biggest uh, locations, and it had a lot, a lot of wealthy or upper middle class, which was nice because it was good for the aesthetics of the eyes. But um, we grew up in our Christmases where if it wasn't given by a charity or a church, we didn't have a Christmas. Our parents never bought a gift. Like, but they also taught us things that you didn't have to rely on Christmas either. Right. Yeah. Right. We didn't have to rely on holidays to have fun. I always wondered, like, all my friends got excited for one day to enjoy presents from my dad. Even though we had no money, he'd always say, like, tell me whatever you want, I got you. But as a kid, you didn't want to ask because there's so many kids in the house and you know they're already at full steam trying to provide. So you don't you ever, ever want to push it, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, whatever you wanted, he got it for us. Like, my first bike, he got my first bike. He didn't wait till Christmas. He's like, you want it? Let's go get it. So he bought the first bike. I sat it outside and the next day... Um, I walked outside and it was stolen. And I found it six months later. It was in the woods and stripped and just just the just the Frame. body of it. Yeah, but even even at that moment, they always taught us not to have attachment to things too. We weren't attached to holidays. We weren't attached to emotions of gifts and stuff. So, I mean, the church the, these churches would come by and just give all the kids gifts, which is cool. But we were always like, well, what is this? How's this gift gonna like help us? Because like. When you grow up with a different mindset of like, you rather have things that's, that's gonna help you versus things that are just like, to keep your mind occupied, you're like, okay, well, what do I do with this toy? So let me ask you this, like right now with today and where we're at in the world today right now in 2022, do you think that's a problem? For sure. And why do you? I think it's scary that people still rely on these material goods to make them happy. And they use holidays as a mirage to get together when Christmas isn't really a day it's an emotion right it's an emotion of community and why isn't Christmas every day right like why do you have to wait for one day a year just to 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 celebrate that way same with Thanksgiving yeah why couldn't you have Thanksgiving every day every uh, holidays every every day is a holy day every day is the whole day you know that's how I feel and I'll be honest with you like you know how when you came over to the house last night you know, I do that almost every single weekend. <laughs> that's what I was telling him. I was like, this is a Friday, that's, Saturday that's, thing. But that's Dude, what I that, love, bro. That felt, that's that's that, how I was born and raised. Home. My dad was like, it's like family. Like, that's all yeah. you got. That's that's what's there and everything. But it was every weekend. So 
I think that's where I get it from. And sometimes I know my fiance, she be sometimes like, she's like, I'll sometimes do these without next thing you know, like all of a sudden she gets a call on my, my brother's girl comes like, Hey, yeah, we'll see you at seven o'clock. Blake invited everybody over for a barbecue. She's like, uh, calling me like, I'm all damaged, but it's just like the natural excited. Like I just want to bring everybody together. Behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's just that. like, if we could feed each other, all that just come together and just, I don't know something about that. Like it just, it feels like, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, look yeah. at last night, you know, I'm like, what are your words for last night actually? Oh wow! I mean, honestly, it. Um, I, I grew up around. We had a we had a big group of friends growing up, and one thing that they did, my friend's dad did for me, was every sack I had in football, he threw me a rip party on a green egg. So that was like my gift. Every time I got a sack, I was like, yes, I got ribs coming. <laughs> so we would always get together and and just co- connect and just have bonfires together. That was our Friday night. We just did bonfires, rip parties. And last night was a preview of community because I've been traveling so much and I've been in so many different communities and eating out and, but home is, is where, but, but home is not a place. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Home is the experience of everybody just being present and enjoying yeah. it. Right. And, and then the fact that you can taste when food has love in it, <laughs> like you could, like I wasn't eating the food; I was eating love. No, well, that, that was what's funny is when you took that first bite, you looked at me and he goes like this: "He's all, hold on, I'm not gonna eat anymore. I just need to I, I, let all this sink in, and I'm all just sitting there watching. I'm all as I'm smashing my taco, I'm like bow, 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 yeah. and everything, and then after that, then poof, gone. So, dude, that's that good was, to know, man. Dude, I, honestly, that right there, those experiences, right, getting together, because people, I think, lose track of what it means to get together. And what it means, like when we work hard, it, it's great and all, but there's a time for community. Well, and that's what it is. And like, those are the things, like I know sometimes it's hard, but when, when you grind five, six days a week and from like literally 4.35 a.m. all the way until 8, 9 p.m. every single yeah. day, like I fulfill my day. So it's like, when I do those, I don't wanna work. Like last night I wanna work, I don't wanna talk about that. I just wanna, I wanna be present with you guys, my family, my friends, the new life that was there that night you you know what i'm saying dj nacho it's just it's awesome like seeing that but like i need to be there in presence with you guys yeah we do the business we do all that but i do that all the time that's not that but like yeah. you can't connect on that level business is business personal is personal and that's where i really feel like that's where you hone in and everything and that's where you build yeah. your relationships that's where you build your community but that's yeah. where you find the real authenticity in some the authenticity in somebody yeah the realness in somebody like yes. and it really shows you who they are because you don't see that stuff no more like no. nowadays and it's like and if people are doing it it's hey the club the bar the it's partying it's, it's all that out. but it's like you don't have to i mean yeah. we weren't drinking last night i didn't have any alcohol you no. didn't either i know he didn't i, I didn't did, i had the greatest time of my life last night i'll be honest wow. with you you know yeah. what i'm saying so but that's I, awesome I, bro. I think that's one thing that that happened to me this year was a, a big transform transformation for me and and not just from my mentality but everything i think that i've been holding a lot in as far as like my success and how much I've worked because everyone's always said, I was always the one kid in the group that had a job. Going back to, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I was the only one, when I was 16, everyone, when I first got my job at Red Lobster, my dad didn't want me to work. So I went to my buddy's house up the street, I said, hey, can you guys take me to go to an interview? And they're like, yeah, I'm in a church outfit, you know, so I was gonna go to Red Lobster and I went in there and just told her how I'm gonna be the hardest worker. I promise if you hire me, I'll get it done. She was like, yo, you're the cutest thing in the world. Yeah, you're hired. <laughs> but then I created an entirely new structure in the restaurant where like, as a busser, and this is when minimum yeah. wage was $5 an hour, right? So I went in. Is this still in 2005? Uh, this is 2009. Like 14. <laughs> no, no, 2009. I was about to say, at 14, it was probably like at least at $9. Yeah, yeah, 2009, 2008, 2009. Um, I went in there and 
uh, they, they start me off at $8 an hour. And not only that, you get tips as a busser. But you have your sections, three sections, there's three different bussers. And, but what I did was different. Like, no one's ever done it. So I had my section, but I, told, but I was so cool with everybody. I was like, yo, like, if I do a little extra work for you at the end of the night, just throw me a couple extra bucks, whatever. Like, you have your section in your, in your busser. So what would happen is if you're walking and you're, you're busy, I'll just grab a plate from you. And at the end of the night, you'll just see me and you'll know that, oh, yeah, Phil, Phil that one time got me. So I'd have my section. And the other, so all the buses were like, yo, we see Phil walking away with some extra Ziploc bags full of money at the end of the night. And over time, they started to kind of take note. They were like, tell us your strategy. I said, you just got to serve everybody. Like, and then at, after a while, instead of going against me, they started to team up with me. And how old were you at this time now? Uh, uh, 15. So 15, 15 at 2009. Yeah. And, and I was, and then from there, my friends, oh, my parents didn't know I had a job for a year. So I'd go to my friend's house and they'd take me to work on the weekends. So I'd have Friday, I'd have football on Fridays, Friday night football or whatever, or Thursday night because it's JV or varsity. And then on Saturdays, I'd go to work. And then soon when I started gathering more friends, everyone took turn to take me to work. So they, they'd drop me off in the morning, pick me up at night. And then every time we'd go to hang out, you know, Friday night, we'd go watch a movie, I'd fall asleep. And I was known as a guy that fell asleep because I'd work all day <laughs> and be exhausted. And then I'd go hang out with them, wake up Sunday in the morning, go back to work. So why were you doing that? Did you have to? Did you want to? Like why, but why? I wanted freedom. I, I didn't want to ask my parents for money. I, I knew that they were already working hard and it was time for me to, to break away from that. And, and I didn't, it's just like when I went to college and they, they told me when I played football, don't work. You can't work. They didn't know, but while you're playing football and you're in, in, yeah, in college. When you're in college, you're not allowed to make over a certain amount of money. And really, if you get a scholarship, they don't want you working. No, they, they want you fully yeah, focused. focused on yeah. It. yeah, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still worked. I, I went to work at like 4 a.m. And then I'd go to practice at like 6 a.m. And then go after practice, I'd go back to work and then go back to class. That's crazy, and bro. That's huge. Like, <laughs> I've always had two jobs. I've never had less than two jobs. Yeah, and um, my first job, even out of college, I worked at an insurance company. And that was a different experience for me. I think at the time, I was the first, I was the youngest and first African-American guy in the office. And I got the job because I just said, I'm going to work, again, I'm going to work the hardest. I'm going to outwork everybody. Yeah. And I guess they have their own opinions, but they always would tell me that because I went back to selling furniture on the weekends, I'd work my nine to five and then work on the weekends because I want to pay off my debt. And they would say, what do you want to do, become a furniture salesman or work this job? And I said, well, I'm, I'm sacrificing my weekends to make extra money. And I was making more in two days of selling furniture than I did my salary job. And that was your first sales job? My first sales job was selling furniture. Yeah, I made six figures in college selling furniture. That's awesome, bro. That's yeah. huge. Definitely. That was from $8 at Dick's Boarding Goods. And then I went to a career fair and my friend was like, yo, go to this Ashley Furniture booth. I'm like, I'm not a furniture salesman. Like, no, the people are cool. And then they're like, yo, you should apply for a job. You're cool. I'm like, I'm not a furniture salesman. They're like, just apply. I was like, all right, I'll go. And the guy was like, so what's your goal? I was like, if I can afford an apartment in Atlanta, because my rent was two, 200 bucks in my little small town uh -huh. to 1200 bucks for a one bedroom in Atlanta. It's like, if I can afford an apartment, I'll work. And he's like, I can't promise you that. If you work hard, you can do it. Well, he didn't tell me. So he, but what I love, he didn't give me any limit. So I had to work hard, but no one, no one told me what, what hard work was like. you didn't know what it was. There was no cap, like, and, and yeah. let me guess you, when you came in, you worked so fucking hard with not knowing what it was, you pissed a lot of people off too. I worked part-time work. and made more than all the full-timers. Yeah. And then I started coaching and then I started, I was doing all the store opens for the Ashley and I would, an average good sales day would be like between two and like six grand for the day of selling furniture, right? Throughout the day. And like, I would open up the stores and I would sell between 40 and 80,000. That's awesome, bro. 
Yeah, it, but it was just all belief. It was just like, where do you think the drive and the hustle came from? Honestly, it was it was everyone always every time you ask like a millionaire or somebody they always like yeah work hard work hard I'm like what the hell is this work hard shit everyone keeps saying that work hard and you'll get there mm-hmm. but no one defines what it really means right so I'm like whatever I'm gonna my my motto was why not why not work hard why not sacrifice weekends I never had weekends my friends always like Phil what are you gonna finally hang like they they'll tell you for years eight nine years never had weekends because I was wasting my time you guys were chilling but guys we gotta we gotta get ahead I have to save money. I want to start a retirement account. I heard, I watched a video on YouTube that said, if I start my retirement at 17, then I can retire at 60. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I went to an Edward Jones office at 18. I said, yo, I heard that if I, if I start saving today, I'll be rich tomorrow. He's like, look, I work with doctors and lawyers, but I can try to help you out. So I started just, I started my Roth. I started life insurance. All this stuff that people said, I don't do that yet. I was 18 in there just pouring money away. So I, that when I was making money in furniture, instead of paying for rent, I lived at home and paid myself rent into my mm. retirement accounts. Yeah. So, like, was but was there something that triggered you to want these things and to want to be that, or who showed you? Did was would something open up? Did you run into somebody? Did you open a book? Like, that's what I need to know. Is like. Like, but what was it? Yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah, the hustle, all that. But what? There was something that clicked. Was it the family? Was it where you were at watching your parents? Like, uh, like what was it? Because you don't just. Because wow. if people just did, why? Why isn't everybody waking up like this? Wow. Why isn't everybody wanting the things that you want and go do that and sacrificing weekends at a young age like this? But there's something I need to know what it is. Like, what is yeah. it? I think it was. Uh, so my friends' parents who were upper, I'd say upper middle class or upper class. You, they can you can say whatever you want, but they lived a pretty good life and learning from the structure of other families yeah. and me being in there, honestly, I saw, I saw them live the life and I said, wow, I honestly, I'll say this. Thank you to every family that's ever taken care of me for every mom that's cried on my shoulder, for every dad that's poured into me, for every friend that's believed in me because everyone saw me work and they would always say Phil is the hardest, like every parent would always say Phil's the hardest worker in the group. Because no matter what, every time they saw me, I'm just always working. I'm always creating. I'm always having these big dreams. But going back home to my family and watching them suffer and then going to this family and watching them live, I said, that, why do people say that rich people are not happy? There's like, a dis, there's like a disconnect because I'm watching authenticity. I'm watching people spend more time, right, by sacrificing it early, right? I'm watching people say, people that, who told me that money doesn't bring you happiness are the ones that, who don't have it. So I got tired of listening to people that, that don't have it tell me that money doesn't bring happiness and started watching and observing the dads and the, and the leaders who are giving back to their community because in order to give back, you have to have the resources and the money. So yeah. I said, you know what? I'm going to be the, me and my friend were sitting there and we were both, gonna be, we were both trying to decipher on becoming pastors. I was Pastor Phil for a while. And I said, you know what? Instead of becoming a pastor, I want to give. I want to give to every church everybody creates. So my mom taught me giving early. And for some reason, when I started uh, making money when I was a busser, she said, Phil, give 10%. It doesn't matter if it's to a church or to somebody, but I started giving 10%. I'd make more every weekend. I say, Mom, you told me to give 10%. I don't know how, but I made more the next week. She said, yeah, do it again. So I gave 15%, and I, got, I made more the next week. And I'm like, okay. So every time I got a job, I would just keep giving more and giving more and giving more. And then my friends who were the pastor were like, oh, yeah. I was like, are you giving your, giving your 10%? He's like, they're like, uh, I'm working on it. I'm like, bro, if you don't give, you don't get. Mm. This is huge right now. Yeah. This is big. A lot of people don't understand this. You one, have to give. One nugget that I took just from that front end just to re- rewind back to it is you, you said that 
people like you hear about it like the the like the the more richer the more money you have those people are happy but the people that are hearing that from are the people that don't have the money and that aren't that so they're listening to the wrong people the wrong people and what's crazy is i want to just throw this in there real quick my dad he's in michigan right now because his dad's not doing too well he called me yesterday and he's like hey how's everything going so i know you're working and what sucks is my dad even gets on and he doesn't even want to give me as much time as him and i'm like no my dad anytime i get the chance i want to talk to you on the phone yeah and he goes i know you're hustling grinding like dad i'm on the road and i like i had three calls come in and he goes like this, Sonny's all, all I got to say, because what you just said is why I do what I do too as well. I watched my dad, I watched him go through it. That's why I am the way I am. And I seen both sides of it. My dad literally told me on the phone yesterday, he said, son, I know you're going to make it. The reason why is because you're sacrificing everything now. And I've been watching you the last seven years do it. Mm. He's all, I just, I'm so happy that you're doing it because I never did it, but I get to mm. watch you do it. And then mm. that hit hard yesterday. But what you just said, I felt I, I knew there was something in you that had to bring it out because that's my same thing too, bro. Like by mm-hmm. seeing what you went through, my dad had three jobs sacrificing and I raised my three brothers, like my, my two brothers, oldest of those, you know what I'm saying? Figuring everything out. My dad never gave us anything because we didn't, he didn't have the money to do it. But mm-hmm. one thing my dad did is he never just said, no, you can't have it. But he said, no, but I'll teach you how to go get it. Mm-hmm. And my dad taught me how to go fish for myself. And that's what made me who I am. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm feeling from you is like, you're, there's something there. And I feel that connection is like, what is it, bro? But I'm like, I needed you to wow, tell me, but now me, I know. Yeah. You made me think about it is that my dad has seven sons and it was his, it was his dream to become a millionaire. You know, like growing up, a million was a lot, a lot of money it to him. Crazy. Yeah. And, and he won a million dollars so bad. I looked at him, I said, you are a millionaire. I am you. Because when you ask the universe for a million, you got it. You're looking at it. I'm an extension of you. Yeah. The moment that you believe it, it will happen. I said, how's it feel to be a millionaire? He said, and he felt it. (laughs) He said, wow. I said, yeah, you have the chance to breathe and to think and to be free. Wherever you want to go, you will go. I will make sure I provide it. Because your freedom is my freedom. And my dad didn't know what that, that felt like because he was always in the mindset of, of struggle, of struggle. Trying to take care of you guys. He didn't know about the abundance mindset. He didn't know to instill in us the mindset. Once I broke away, and my dad didn't let me sleep over any friend's house until I was 16. Once I did, I didn't go back home. I had to go seek. Because in Matthew 7, 7 in the Bible, it says, if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be answered to you. If I go to your house, you invite me to dinner. Let's say I went to your house, and you ought to be at the front door, and I didn't even knock. Everybody's like, where's Phil? I'm at the door. I'm all of a sudden y'all didn't knock and I, He's and I out leave there. and I leave. Yeah. Cause I didn't knock. If you don't knock, you can't, you don't know what door is going to open. Our abundance is right in front of us. And when you knock, it is answered to you. People are scared to knock and know the results is on the other side. Cause they create these what if situations that are fake and false. Mm-hmm. Stop making assumptions and just do it. I had to lose a lot to get to where I am. And one thing I love about it is, um, what my brother always taught me, my brother was one of my, my strongest mentors and leaders because he, he didn't make it through um, high school, no, middle school. I think he, he dropped out in eighth grade and he always thought that he was behind. I said, no, you didn't go through the machine. You didn't go through the system that tears away the thoughts of young kids today. You were saved from it. But what happens is because you didn't, you're thought of as weird. But you're the one that tapped me into the books. Hey, and you told me, Phil, you could think different. I didn't grow up to think different. I was growing up to think one way. And once I broke away from thinking one way, and I realized there's, 
there's a mindset out there and people out there that can feed into me and give me a deeper meaning of this life that I'm in, that it's not about me, that the more I can serve others, the more that I can serve my mission here and be an example of the kids that are in there and saying, you know what, I'm taking care of my mom. My mom is sick. Or my mom works and makes $20,000 a year. And she's fighting and she's crying and, and she has these, and she's in and out of boyfriends and she has the ex-husband and, and she doesn't know her worth yet because she's, she's taken after what her mom and dad did. I'm talking to those kids, the ones that are like, yo, is there anybody that understands me? Is there anybody that understands what it's like to struggle? Because I'm crying for help and there's nobody out there in front of me listening. But they're like, you know what? Maybe if I keep working hard and then now they're creating their own story. But that's why we're here, to show them that it is truly amazing to go through that because people need to hear your story. Because without your story, they won't know how to break free and break through. That's it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Did well, you now I nugget out of that one. Yeah, I did. And it's, uh, you know, no matter what your story, you're going through it for a reason. And every single thing that you're doing, it lines up. It's perfect. It's a perfect story all the way through because if you have that end goal in mind, and if you, because it sounds like you, you're growing up, all these parents, I mean, it's your friend's parents, but how come your friends didn't turn out the way you did? It's, wow. And it's because you as a kid, you're, you're seeking wisdom and they're not seeking wisdom, you know? So as you're seeking wisdom, the answers are surrounded around you if you're listening. Well, and then like what top on right top of that, what you just said, money. But what he did though, was he started to think yeah for himself and that's what most yep. people don't want to do is think for themselves that's why guys i heard you say like i then i started once you got that book then you started to think yeah and then i think that's what changed because i know me and you talk i know that was what's changed for you in the book and everything then you started to think for yeah. yourself and the same thing for me a mentor seven years ago gave me a book and then boom and that's what opened it up and i had to, once i started to think for myself and re rewire my brain and change my paradigm that's when everything else changed from me wow so i want to tell you guys a story actually <laughs> I haven't actually shared this with anybody. It's kind of like one of those things where you just kind of keep to the grave. I think this is appropriate to share, but in the fifth grade, um, my parents had to work. So my parents used to cook for us at 5 a.m. in the morning, and the food would sit out on the stove until like 7 at night till we get back home to eat it because that's the only time they can cook for us. We didn't have a fresh home-cooked meal. It was only fresh. It, it, was, it was fresh because it was homemade. It doesn't matter when it was made. Right. And... When it came to parent-teacher conferences, when it came to after-school activities, I would take myself sometimes. So I never told anybody, but there was a um, talent show at the school. And these kids had real talents, like these ballerinas and these sports players. And I was like, yeah, I got a talent too. So I learned how to spin a ball on a pencil. That's tight. And what I did was I signed up. I didn't tell my <laughs> siblings. I didn't tell my mom. And I walked by myself to school. It was like 6 p.m. at night. I walked to school by myself. I was in the fifth grade. and went to a talent show. Sat in the front and didn't expect anybody to show up for me. And on the stage, I went on there and had my own song and I performed. And everyone clapped for me as if, and they were like, I bet your parents are proud of you. And I said, they are, but I really didn't, I really didn't think about them being present because most of my life, it was just me. I went to the show by myself. I clapped and I walked home by myself. And I was so proud of myself because it didn't take, I didn't really rely on people to be there. I don't need, that's deep, bro, because I don't think, a, not a lot of people can do that yeah. and go through that. Like, that's not easy. Because some people, like, man, if you don't got your parents, you don't got that or anything backing up, they just won't do it. 
you have to learn how to do it on your own sometimes. You have and to learn to not rely on, you can't rely on someone to, even when I played football, when I first tried out for football, I went to practice by myself on a bicycle that was eight miles away. The chain's popping off, I'm wearing shoulder pads, and I had no ride, so I, I wanted to make it. And throughout my whole life, I didn't really have a ride to practice, so playing ninth grade football, and one of my buddies can attest to it, his dad took me to practice, but some days where they, they weren't available, I'd wait three or four hours after practice for a ride. Damn. But I still showed up. That's crazy, bro. And I didn't rely on anybody. That's environment, though. You know, your environment sets you up for. Again, it's a part of your story. If you're, yeah. if you did not go through that, and that was not a part of your environment, and that was not a part of your story, we wouldn't be sitting right here, being able to deliver a message to whoever's listening to this yeah. podcast today. You know, so well, that, that life story is perfect. You know, yeah, like I, you're I still doing it. Like look, you're traveling the world by yourself. Yeah, you're here by yourself in this big, beautiful home by yourself. Yeah. Which I want to get into. Yeah, I want to, it's just, it's everything. I think this whole, I think one thing I learned is that, um, and I have amazing friends right now. And like, in this period of my life, I'm going through a, uh, a, a break free of what I grew up with. And just even my friends know it, and, and they're aware of it right now. We haven't been connected like we used to. And these are guys that, incredible, like we, we had our bonfires together, we connected on a higher level. But what happened was, um, I grew up so different. I was Phil, but Philip grew up not black enough to be black, but not white enough to be white. 98% of my friends were Caucasian, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it was amazing for me to see just, I never saw color, but because I never saw color, I never knew myself. And not knowing who I was meant that I neglected my own people in a way where I, I, I was kind of prejudiced against myself. It's interesting how you say that. I, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not like that, so I don't need to think that way. Or, I don't know what people go through as a young black man. So, because people didn't see me as color, they saw me as Phil or Philip, right? So, or at least that's what I thought. And what happened was I neglected that there are other men who are black that are being looked at differently, that, that need a message from someone that, that doesn't think that way and doesn't always feel like they're the victim. Because I never feel like I'm the victim. I'm a person. I have a heart and a soul and lungs just like you do. And growing up, People would always say, hey, Phil, or I'll be on the phone and let's say someone black would be like, oh, I thought you were white or you talk white. And I'd say, well, what does that mean? Are we degrading ourselves or are we, are we taking away from the fact that, are you saying that I don't, that, that you can't talk proper or is proper a bad way to speak or, or to be presentable? Is that wrong? It's crazy, Shaw. We're labeled by just the way that our language is, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because people thought like it's just black people that get, that, that get looked at that way, but it's also people who are trying to change the image of how people look at black people mm-hmm. and become one of the leaders that you still get attacked no matter what. Yeah. Like this, this doesn't end. Um, I'll be attacked for change. I'll be attacked for trying to elevate people. I'll be attacked for sharing my message and being authentically different because it doesn't matter. What happens is people say, all right, example, even my own um, siblings, and I don't care to call anybody out because it's just the truth, but I'd come home and They'd say, because I never, I wasn't home often, they'd say, oh, which family are you here for? How'd that feel? At the time, I was numb. I had calluses. I was numb to everything. I was, I was numb to opinions. I was numb to the fact that, like, that my family didn't get to go on the vacations that the people's families did, or we didn't get to, I, I didn't, my first car was a Buick Park Avenue with red velvet seats and no hubcaps. 
and I had to have a car payment before people even knew what bills were. And then my friends attacked me for, not, not attacked me, but tried to give me financial advice when they don't understand finances. They don't pay bills. You don't pay your own cell phone. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they used to ask me, why do you buy your own clothes? I never thought about that as a thing. Why do I buy my own clothes? And I always had these big visions. And, and what happened is I, I love the families I grew up around, but they weren't abundant mindsets. It was the mindset of like, no, go to college and, and go get a job and be a good salesman. And Phil, you're good at sales, right? Go be a salesman mm-hmm. for somebody. Not, not go be somebody big and go change the world because that'd be a big thought. Yeah. Or if you do, good luck, right? Now I have to go seek on my own. Now I have to have my brother tell me that, that there's another side to this game of life. In order for me to go find that other side, I need to detach from what I've been attached to, right? That I need to unlove the things that I loved. And I'm gonna be attacked, I'm gonna be thought of as different, or I'm in a cult. And this year has been a year of just shedding, shedding people who, I don't know if they believed in me. I don't know if you really know who I am. Because every, every season in life, I've changed. I, I've, I've molded, I had people pour into me, and every time I came back, it was a different feel. The feel Buick Park Avenue, the feel Malibu, the feel Jeep Wrangler, now feel Tesla. Now, now that I'm being looked at, now I went from being the feel that was small, where like, I don't get the same respect. I walk into the house, I'm like, I have employees just like you do. I pay taxes just like you do. Mm-hmm. I suffer because I, I provide for families that need me just like you do. But you talk to me as I'm a kid, you can ask me for financial advice. You don't have to assume that I don't know what I'm doing or that I'm just Phil. I have authority and respect. Mm-hmm. And just like I demanded from those who I pour into, I demand it from you as well. And I didn't get that when I went back home. So now I'm at the point where um, I'm at the point where I was like, you know, some people won't see me until they see me on a, on a bigger stage. And maybe I'm too far to connect with. Maybe they are like, oh, that's selfish to think of. Well, I don't care what's selfish anymore. I don't care about anybody's opinion anymore. Mm-hmm. Opinions can go into trash. Yep. I don't have time for anybody's opinion or even the houses I rent, right? I travel the world. I stay in beautiful homes. I eat beautiful food. I have drivers in different states. I got a Tesla only because it has autopilot, so I don't have to drive. I bought a slingshot, not to rent. I'll be like, you gonna rent it out? Rent what out? I don't even have time to rent it out. I'll drive it once every three months because that's what I enjoy to do. Mm-hmm. I'm achieving abundance because my future family will know what it's like to not only work hard, but to have more time to spend together. So we're not, we're not spending our time working for a man or working for a system that wants to drain the life out of you and not extend it to one another. I don't believe in that. You can, and I don't, I don't degrade your choice. You can choose to go be a doctor and a lawyer and suffice your life. Actually, we need you. And if you love what you do, I support you. But those that just do it for money, you're gonna drown. Amen. That's all I gotta say is amen, man. Drown. And once I, you know, it's not until I made more money than a doctor and a lawyer, I said, oh, so, but you guys have to go to work and I'm sitting here looking at this beautiful palm tree and reading these books and I get to connect with people like, like you guys and build new relationships where they have to go, well, I gotta go wake up and, and one, one mistake you make, it's you get Monday. fired. Yeah. 
Monday. Literally, it's bro. Monday. I know. That oh, is. man. We, like, talk about this all the time, man. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And it's crazy because you say it because, like, you were, like, that's how we were. I, I mean, I should say it, that's how I was raised was go hustle and just work as hard as you can. Mm. Well, I did. And I got out right. I, I mean, dude, I had my first job. I graduated on Wednesday. I had a job lined up on Monday and or on Monday ready to start a job and everything. And I thought working just your ass off and everything and just getting to wherever is close to the top, wherever 20, 25 bucks an hour and just working hard was it, but it really wasn't it. No. And it took me so many years to find that out. And that's when I found out that I'll never have my freedom working for somebody else. Mm-mm. And that's what sucks. It's like, even if you get to 25, 30 bucks an hour, that's still 650, $700 a week after taxes, everything, 401k, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So how could you invest? How could you have your freedom? How could you take care of your family? How can you buy, like do anything? You know what I'm saying? So it's just crazy that you say that. Bro, the, biggest, like, the biggest scam, right? This is the biggest scam, and and you guys can attest to this. So when I'm in uh, when I'm in college, I am selling furniture and I'm making over a hundred grand. And next thing you know, um, my first job, my first career job, right? I'm going to be an insurance broker. I went to school for insurance, and these kids have never worked before. Remember, parents pay for high school, college. They just were in, in, in fraternities. Their first job. And we got offered 50 grand a year, right? 2017. And when I saw the offer, I said, fuck. I said, damn, that's a 50% pay cut. You know, my lifestyle was, I went from $8 an hour to 100 grand a year. Like, I've already set my lifestyle to here. But I told myself, okay, I guess I got to take two steps back to take a step forward. Mm-hmm. But when people realize when they see 50, they don't know that it's really like $36,000 a year. It, they don't. Yeah. And after $36,000, you get an apartment for, what, 1500 bucks a month? Yep. That's times, a whole year. Times 12. That's, yeah. That, that's, that's half of the salary. And then you have to pay for gas and food. And then you got to go out on weekends and go watch football games with your friends and try not to take the tab for another girl. Yeah. So, yep. Or can't eat or grab a drink or whatever you want. What? Like, and yeah. You wait, and then, you, you wait every two weeks. You, you can't wait till I was like, oh my God, is, is it, I guess that one week where it's not payday Friday. You're like, oh man, it's yeah. going to be a tight weekend. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta, your friend's like, yeah, you ready to go out? You're like, I'm sick, bro. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know if I can make it out. So, so what happens is this false narrative of like they'll be like eighty grand a year, sixty grand a year, and you get unlimited. I had unlimited PTO. I had all these false ass narratives. And when the first time I got paid, everybody was so excited. They got paid for the first time. They had no bills. Parents are gonna pay for their apartment the first six months because babe, we'll make sure you're okay. We've been paying your rent in college. We'll pay the first six months, no problem. Right? We want you to save your money. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, at, during this, so they sent us to Maryland for a month-long training. All it was was just a college boot camp where you had to drink every day and network every day and just have fun every day and, and train every day. What the fuck ever. It wasn't really anything that important, but everyone got their check. They're $1,300 for, for the two weeks of work. I said, oh my God, that $1,300 bucks? I can spit and I've already spent that. And this is what year, where at, and what, how old are you? Because obviously 20, we're still going through your story. I graduated 2017. Okay. And uh, from yeah, high school? Uh, college. I mean, college. Yep. So I transitioned to the job. I go into the summer 2017 into that job. I spent a year there. So I was, the, I was the first and only young black guy in the office. And it was the first time that it was my, it was my first time experiencing something different I've never experienced where um, I don't know what it was. Maybe I, I just wasn't. It was my first time getting fired from a job. Cause they kept bringing me to the office. I was getting like anxiety and stuff. And like, I didn't feel at home. It was the first time where I've always been Phil, like the hardest worker. And like you, I'm the guy when you do flag football, you're picking me first. Yeah. And at that moment when I got let go, I was like, it just like tore me. That's when I went to Florida with my brother and he taught me about journaling. 
Mm-hmm. He taught me about screaming out what you want and being, being consistent. So I started writing. I got my journal. He's like, just start writing. I started writing and I wrote about this vision I had in the future. And then I wrote it. I wrote like six pages that year. And, and it actually turned 2018. A year later, I started writing. And then 2019, wrote a little bit. And next you know, then six months, boom. So tell me about that real quick. Because so now we just had big background on your life today what habits have you discovered that now you commit to on a daily basis because of all the experiences you've went through and everything what do you apply to yourself every single day now now knowing all that so january of this year of 2022 i made two commitments i'm never gonna drink liquor again okay um a few actually i I actually to celebrate yeah Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate. To celebrate. It's a celebration drink. Uh, it was amazing. I quit. I quit drinking alcohol. And, and this was, was January of this year, though? Of this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I did tobacco. I, I did dip for 12 years. You did? Yeah, I did for 12 years. And I wouldn't I even that. notice. I, no. <laughs> Them pearly whites. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no. I dipped for 12 years, and the moment that I quit, um, I, I came to an awakening. Right? I, I uh, there's a few people that can relate to this awakening, but you awaken to who you really are, your purpose, your journey, this reality, this game of life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, in this game of life, you have to be in shape. Yep. You have to be aware. You got to be intelligent. But the problem is society says, no, don't read. Right. So I was like, you know, let me grab a book. You know, what? I'm going to do 10 minutes a day. The next week, 20 minutes a day. The next week, 30 minutes a day. To the point where I just got addicted. I was like, oh, I got to buy more books. I need more books. I need to learn how to do Spanish. I need to learn about the brand. I, I, th- I was so interested in the brand. I said, oh, my God. We have this thing in our head, and we don't understand it. So I was like, I bought brain books. I'm like, oh, my God. Start I started learning about the pineal gland and the cerebrum and all the, and the mechanism of how your brain works and our thoughts. Our thoughts are a creation of our present day and our future. So then I started watching people. Your Joe Dispenza, your Tony Robbins, your, your – and then those – are my leaders today and then what I did was I got to now question everything for the first time I didn't feel so domesticated that I had to think one way how I was taught growing up I now could think any way I want to because I own my thoughts yeah so I found ownership in myself and now I practice every day journaling writing my vision spend 20 minutes a day putting the phone away I walk outside and just think big yeah visualize I created all this, right? Seeing the house I want to be in, seeing the garden I want, seeing the school I want to see my kids at. I'm not even married, and I talk to my future wife, and I say, babe, I'm sacrificing today for our kids, our family, and I pray that you are molding and scoping yourself because when I come to you, I promise I'll be ready. I'm going to lead our family. I'm going to lead the next generation. I'm going to rethink the new thinkers, I'm going to accept responsibility for what comes my way. And for every bad thing that comes my way, I'm going to embrace it and enjoy it. The whole entire journey. So every day, I will write. I will read. I will connect. I will build. I will structure my future. I will pour into people because I'm going to celebrate the wins. When I hear somebody win, I get fired up. I start sweating in my hands when I hear somebody winning. Because when I made it to the top by myself, I said, this shit's not fun. I said, fuck that, I'm going back. I'd rather lose everything. Actually, the day I came here, when I had one of the houses, um, I lost, it, it was a day where the enemy was hitting me. I missed three fights in one day. 
don't know how. I came here, I, I got here, I was supposed to be here at 12 p.m. I got here at 11 p.m., didn't get to my rental, my Toro at 12. The guy fell asleep, so I couldn't get into my, my Toro. So I had to pay for another Uber back to the house. I got to the house, I took my wallet, my crypto wallet. I lost 180 grand. I lost one of my board apes, a, a Birkin. I had a Birkin NFT and the rest of the money in my wallet. I got wow. hacked. Wow. Don't know oh, how. Oh, you got hacked, okay, never mind. No, 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 okay. Yeah, I got, I got yeah. hacked. And in that moment, all this happened in one day, and I laughed. Uh, I had two choices. I could have been like, fuck. Just let it eat you up. I said, I said, universe, <laughs> I love you, man. That's I crazy. said, thank you. Because if I didn't experience it, someone else will. But I want to know how it feels like. Yeah. I lost a wallet with 500 grand in it. That's crazy. You know, and, and I think that's one thing's huge. I know that I've changed doing that too as well. It's like when something happens, no matter what's good or bad, you're always thanking God for it. It's like, and when I change that, it changed yeah. everything because it really does. You hurt your energy. It just, it like you, it, it just, everything that what you were supposed to, where you were going and what it was meant to be now is now in closing. You're, you're closing yourself in on it when you do that. You know what wow. I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's how I feel like. And it's like, you can't get anywhere. It's like almost well, like when it's, people, a, it's like the compound effect of depression. You're just every single time something hits you, somebody cuts you off. You're just, you're, you're just, holding that you're in. Getting you're, 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 you're getting angry. You're yelling and it's not just compounding the effect just, internally just internally and then that's why you see the nice person and then all of a sudden you just light them up and then you just see them go off for the first time you're like damn they just let it all out you hit yeah. the you 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 pop their it, balloon it's that repetition because what you guys can attest to which was great about um us being like mine is that when you take a loss it's just a beautiful lesson right it's a beautiful part of the story as much mm-hmm. as you can yell and scream you gotta just like yeah. it's happening for a reason yeah and when, when someone goes through it you can let them know that it's okay you will breathe tomorrow yeah. That money that wasn't yours to begin with because it's the money of the world, right? It's just a tool for you to excel. But when it leaves your hands, that means you weren't doing good with it anyways. It was, it was meant to be. Yeah. yeah, it was meant to be. Someone else needed it. That's why, I'll be honest with you, it's funny. Another story, I'll sell my parents' house and I was like, mom, where's the key? The guys, I, we're, we're going to redo the house. They need the key. My mom like, she's like, what key? I said, oh, wow. I forgot. We haven't locked our door in 17 years. I want to I wanna stop you right there because Phil is the funniest dude I know when it comes to this type of stuff. I've never seen Phil lock his door. I've never, I walked into the Airbnb the other day and this door was unlocked all day for like 12 hours. <laughs> I pulled open. up. The garage was yeah. wide open no, when we pulled it, up. It was, oh, yeah, it was open. And then we're, we're at an event, his car's just running. And I'm like, do you, uh, you wanna turn off your car? Yeah, it is what it is. But it's like having that abundance of, ain't nobody gonna take it, you know? But if you're thinking that way, you're gonna drive energy to it. But, but if you're not. If someone walked to this house right now, not. Yeah. Then we'd get up and get the, what you need, water, money, what you, you want my car, take it. There's insurance. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't have you an can't. attachment to this. Yeah. My, my, my designer people are like, Phil, why do, you, why do you treat your designer and you throw it on the floor? Because it's not me. I don't care about that shit. It's this. Yeah. I got everything. And whatever somebody needs, I want to give it to them. I came here on a mission to this <laughs> earth to be a warrior, to be a pillar. You have a kingdom. I'm a pillar in your kingdom. What can I give to you that you don't have? See, and that's where we're fucked up today, man, is because everybody thinks like for you, someone to like you and, and to want to be around you, you got to be wearing Gucci, Louis, something. You got to, you got to well, be iced neglect. out. You got to, you got to have that stuff. But it's like, I'm, I'm obviously, I think we're one of the, this, even this right here. Like, look, look what we're all wearing actually right now. <laughs> yeah. Like just Mark Zuckerberg style. Like not <laughs> one of us have a fucking iced out chain on, but we could afford it. 
Not none of us are wearing a Rolex iced out or anything. This is a $350 freaking S-Force watch. Right. I mean, dude, look, like, you know what I'm saying? I stopped like, wearing jewelry. Yeah. But it's crazy. But then some people, they don't look at it that way. But see where I look at where I've got past because in the beginning, I was looking at that. I'll be honest with you. I was yeah. one of those people. I was. Like, if I didn't have that and I didn't have the penthouse and I didn't have all these things, I didn't think people would want to fuck with me and, and do me business with me. But no, that's not it. People like this and they well, like we me because neglect of this. What we, we, we neglect what was given to us for free. Our body, our minds, our souls, like everything. People don't know how their mind works. That was given to us for free. This earth, that was given to us for free. The shoes, that wasn't given us to for, for free. So we put value on things that we made, but we don't value the things that were given to us for free. And they're free and they're there for a reason. Our lungs, they're there for a reason. People don't know how they work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But, and then they damage it. You said you were chewing. People were smoking, you know, cigarettes all day long. And damaging their lungs that was given to you for free but as soon as you put louis or gucci or something of material and i love somebody, what you're saying we, we now should, they're valuing that we gotta, we gotta dive into something very important i think but, this is hold, for, can, can we can i sorry i don't want to no, cut no, you off ahead, but i have to finish off this question because i they the audience needs to know this yeah so you you just told us the habits that you've been doing but how long have you been doing all those things for and how long have you been reading for for where crypto feels at today <laughs> wow so because they don't know this uh, yeah yeah i'll be honest with you guys so yeah i uh so i graduated high school with a 2.5 gpa and i only played college because i had no choice i've had to play football in college to go to college and i was told that i need to be the first one in my family to get a degree i didn't want a degree i felt like there was something wrong with the system because i knew that i was intelligent but i was putting these classes that i shouldn't be in I'm like, why are you putting me in these classes where people are struggling? I don't deserve this. So what happened was post-college, um, I really didn't read much. And going into my awakening this year, I started reading a book. And I've had some friends who kind of poured into me and just kind of slapped books in my face. But I didn't really grab them until I realized that all of everything you need to know is in here. And actually, uh, going into uh, February 1st, is actually after the first time I came here to AZ, um, I started just realizing that people were tapping into a few books out here. So I said, people started recommending, people, were, all they do is recommend books. So I said, bye, 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 bye. And then starting February 1st, I've purchased over 300 books. When was, when was your first book that you, that you read that got you off reading? Uh, the first book that, that kind of opened my mind? Yeah. Uh, the, the Four Agreements. Well, what, how old were you? you oh, I, I might have missed it. My you, bad. you just read his first book of 2022 february of this year okay i'm a, i want to i want to expand real quick on that too because i learned something a lot and, and this comes from actually when i started when i met you and i dove into books i never read a book in my life until i was 17 i hated books hated reading regardless when i opened up my first book now i started reading one strategy that has been tremendous to reading books now and currently because I think now I go through about, I feel like I go through about 10 books a month, maybe 15. And it's because we mastermind on books. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what book it is, but, and this is a strategy for people that if you are reading and you want to get the best out of these books, get a group of people around yes. you to read books. And we'll pick up a book and I'll be like, all right, Phil, what book do you got? Or all right, what book do I got? Okay, I'm going to read this passage and I'll just get, either we'll get a chapter in or we'll just get one paragraph into a book. Yes. And then all of a sudden we're talking for 45 minutes oh. off of what did this person understand? What did you get from that passage? Right. What did I get from it? What did I get from it? 
And it just, it's masterminding on that passage and you really get a deeper level of reading. And not only that, now you're fast pacing through all these books and getting a better understanding because not only is this 20 years of somebody else's life that went into this one book, mm. but now it's 20 years being mastermind about, you know, amongst other people. So that's something that I've, I've been a reader since about 18 years old, 17, 18 wow. and reading with you and a couple of the group that we do FaceTimes with, and we just go deep dive into books. That's a strategy that's opened up my mind on like executing on book reading and really diving deep of what does this mean? Cause sometimes we read and we'll just go through the books and we'll just read over it. But when you read through it once, it's not enough by yourself. When you yeah. read through it twice, three times, four times, it starts to, you start to learn something new. But when you, when you read through it just once, but with 10 people listening, it's like, you don't need to read and it 10 times because everybody's it. absorbing it and then delivering what they heard to you. So, you know, this whole idea, we're warriors, right? So in, in this war, in this, in this game of life, being a warrior, we have to come prepared in the Bible in Ephesians. It talks about the armor of God, right? You have to have your helmet of salvation to protect your, your mental, right? The breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart, the, the, the sword of, um, the, the, the sword of faith and, and the shoes. So all these things that you have to prepare yourself every day, you have to thank you, Lord, for my head. Thank you for my heartbeat. Thank you for my lungs that we forget to do sometimes. But the words, right? If you, let's dissect the, the word words. Move the S in front of the word word. Sword. Yeah. Sharpening. Remember, sharpening. iron sharpens. Iron, iron, iron sharpens iron, so as one man sharpens another. another. So... Diving into that, it's like the war mentality is failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to get the audience to know is because when you told me that, that you just started this year and you ordered your first books, like we're six months into the year. You just started reading. You never read, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so most people think it's too late. <laughs> You, six months ago, you ordered 300 books and you started re reading. And yeah. lit, I'm, I'm, I, I hear it. You know what I'm saying? So I just think most people just don't know that it, it doesn't matter. You just need to start. Pick up a book. Because a book. I didn't like reading. I'd like, he's the one that's getting me to read. And the reason why is because I'm seeing also what it's doing to him. I never read in high, all the way through high school, nothing. I didn't even, even after, like, I, I hate read. I didn't want to pick up a book. I didn't want to do it. I was lazy. Bro. But when I see this kid, like, I'll be honest with you, like, it, like, the, all, like all this stuff, like when you talk about the neurons and all this stuff, he's getting me excited. And I'm like, where is like, I'm just, I'm reading in these books. So then I'm like, well, give me that book. And now I'm doing it and I'm reading it. And then I'm, I catch myself coming in the office and I'm all Mike. And I just started and I'm all, and I catch myself and I'm aware of it, letting him know. And he's just looking at me with like, you could see this. And I'm like, yeah. it's working. It's like, it's just almost like the kid that grabs the book and he's like this. So opens it up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. That's real. You know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> That's like, real. That's when real. I started, I'm like, man, but like you just don't know what you don't know. And I just want to read. But also when you're when you're in school, you're reading stuff you don't want to read. They're, but now, but guess what? You get to pick what you want. Like you said, it's your choice. You have ownership. Of your do you want to what do you what do you want to learn about finances? Go read it. Yeah. Be a master at it. You want to learn about the mind and how it works. Go read about it. Leadership. Like one thing I tell the audience, too, is um, prepare yourself. Right. So what I do is. I buy books, example, I bought books on how to be a great father. I'm not even a dad, but I am a dad because I'm preparing to become one. But preparing now 
is how I will succeed. So learning from the dads that have done it the best, or not the best, that have learned over time. If you've had seven kids and you write a book on what it took to become the best father, I want to know. What it took to become the best leader, I want to know. know. Exactly. Because if anything, if I can't become the best, I can strive to become the best. And if I can't become the best, I can tell you what, I've, what I'm learning to become the best. Not just on speaking or thinking big or changing my habits. My friend's mom, she told me something so important. She said, Phil, coming to our house, I knew you had no structure. My friends would know when to, they, 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 had a, they had a structure in their head. When to get home, when to put aside the phone to do homework. They were in AP classes. And me, I couldn't pay attention. Why? Because I didn't have any habits that taught me. My parents weren't there to, and I'm not blaming my parents because I love and I thank them for they what they did. They just didn't know. They didn't know. And those of you who blame your parents or blame your father, it is not their fault, right? Go back to the source of where they got that from. And if you care so much about change, then decide to change. You pick. You be the change. You be the change. Gandhi said, I want to be the change in the world. So what he would do, he would fast, word fast one day a week. So every word that came out was powerful. So sometimes we got to shut the fuck up and get to work. Go find things that are going to help mold you, your family, your friends. If you don't know how to, if you don't know how to network, buy a book on networking. If you don't know how to build a business, you know what? Everybody should buy a book on how to build a business, even if you don't do it. Why? So you have awareness of how to do it in case you lose your job. Since some of you guys think job is safety, when it's time for job cuts, it's time to get cut until you know that you are the only authentic self. You are the only person that cannot be replicated. Your story, your vision. You are the brand, and nobody can replicate you. Nobody can celebrate the wins like you. So until you decide to make that jump, if you want to work under a system, that's fine. I support that too. I'll create a system for you to work, so that way you can work in a great system. I'd rather, pour, I'd rather somebody work under me so I can pour into them than somebody that doesn't care for them. At least I give them a gateway to realize who they are and what they're capable of and how I can pour into their family. One thing I learned from the businesses I work for is when you pour into people and treat people as people and you love their faith and you come from the heart, whatever you can give, you become a vessel in their life. You pour into them. Phil, why are you giving so much? People don't even know who I donate to or who I give to. Like I said on stage, I give the politician because I care about our future. Young people, millennials are not giving because they're like, oh, well, it's just fucked. It's a, it's a fucked up system. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what politics was this year. I never even voted, but now I realize how important it is to vote. Right. Because it is our future. And if, if people care about their future, then they care about who's deciding their future. And if you care about who's deciding your future, then you may want to put in your energy, right, what you work for, into those that are going to help guide you to the right future. But if you don't care, then just sit and then let them take over. Let them be the oligarchies and, and just be a yes man. Be on the blue line like everybody else. Just 97% of the world. That's right. And that's how I, I, I'll be honest with you. I grew up with just follow the blue line because if you speak out, then that's kind of wrong. No, I don't care anymore. Same you know here. what? Yep. Don't, don't like me. Don't talk to me. Or that's not the feel I knew. I'm not the feel you knew because that wasn't me. I don't even know who that was. Different. This is me. Changing every breath I take, I'm a new person. Every conversation I have, I learn. We learned, I brought 15 books to your house. It, they didn't even have to read it. The fact that the books were there, the words were swarming around us. Yeah. We love in books. We speak in books. The fact that it was present is all that matters. Mm-hmm. That the swords were ready. I had enough swords for all of us to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we could have had a sword. We could have had a book fight, and I was ready. <laughs> 
but that's what I'm here for. I'm here to serve others and I'm here to be, I'm here to surrender this this game of life of being just a human in this world and give back, right? And to help those kids that are currently our leaders, right? The ones that are gonna lead our country below us, they need to know that that we believe in them because right now, after 2020, nobody knows, but a lot of people got destroyed. The young people that, if you graduated, didn't have a graduate, you went to school for 16 years, no graduation, no celebration, yeah, Zoom call. If you're a young kid, they said that the babies that were born during COVID, they're acting different. Why? Because they couldn't see the emotions from the mask being on people's face. So they, they couldn't tell who was happy and who was sad. So now you're having kids who say, yeah, teachers don't care anymore. Why? Because they realize they're underpaid, they're underserved. Kids are like, yeah, tell me something that's not in Google. Oh yeah, phones? Tell me to put it away. Oh yeah, we do things on our phone now, who cares, whatever. Their kids are telling me to my face, kids, they're like, Phil, we don't pay attention. Our teachers even know that we don't pay attention because they don't pay attention mm-hmm. because they're tired of being broken too. So mm-hmm. everyone's in a system that's tired of being broken and they can't do anything about it because it's ran by wells. Like do they call it crypto wells? They have education wells. They have a system that was based off of what Henry Ford built in a factory because they need everybody to stand on the blue line and work in the factory. Mm-hmm. And we're still putting kids in front of desks having them learn shit that doesn't apply to the new world. That's why I said, I'm creating a system that's gonna teach the next generation. Why? Because if you don't care, I care about my future. Because you don't care about your future. You're still upset about this thing that you don't know about because you haven't taken the time to, to pour into it and know that it is the future. But the kids, they have to know. And we have to develop our new leaders because now they're lost. COVID exposed everything, everyone. And if you don't teach them, they'll go to YouTube and go get a new leader. They'll follow somebody that believes in them, that trust in their future. And I said, you know what? I'll sacrifice my time. I went to Central Africa Republic, bro. I spent 12 grand to pour in. And, and then I gave Bitcoin to kids that suffered. Their dads were in civil wars, lost their dads. Their brothers were in civil wars, lost their brothers. They don't have any internet. They don't have barely any food, but they love the fact they have an opportunity to change that. And the fact that when you Google the country, it says, do not travel to. I almost got convinced and was side blocked until I went there. I saw for myself, no, they need people here. They need to know that there's a future because why? The older people have been, have been stigmatized by, by, the, by the domestication of, we're not going to help you guys. You're clustered here. But the kids are like, there has to be a future. Watching on Instagram. They're seeing us in America like, but these kids are having fun. How come I can't do that? These kids are free to, to create a business. Why can't I do that? Well, in the future with blockchain, it's decentralized. You now have ownership of you to create you for your future and your family and your connection. So what is that doing for those people that are looking on the other well, side of us real, here? Real quick, because I'm a, I'm a, same question, but now to finish off before we end the podcast, tell us about why you're traveling because this fits into why you're traveling right now, why you're doing this documentary and why this generational shift is so important to you and why you see breaking awareness into these third world countries and all that type of stuff. So dive a little bit deeper into that too, the importance of it and behind it. And I'll be honest too, because as much as I should serve those in our country, I'm not bound to just one country. I'm, I'm, I'm a universal being Mm -hmm. and there are kids who grew up that are our age. They, they went through other experiences that we went through in different ways and they need us. They need leaders. 
And it's not just being a leader in your community or in your state or in your country, but being a global leader. And I put that on my board in January. When I woke up to the idea of who I was, I said, I am a global leader. So I said, I'm going to step out and leave this country. The money that I've made is not my money. I'm going to use this energy to pour in other people. So I said, you know what? If there's a global movement happening, if there are people that need to be poured into, I'm going to go and create a documentary that focuses on what is going on around the world. What is blockchain, crypto, what is it doing or what can it do? What can people see with their own eyes that they don't, they don't see, that people don't show? Because I had to go out for myself and say, you know what, what's going on out here? How are they feeling? And how can I connect myself with them? And as I travel and I connect with people and they say, yeah, I, I'm interested in Bitcoin. I've heard it's the future, but I don't know about it. Well, they don't know that it means sovereignty. Because for me and my family, the old system neglected me. That old system that's eaten up by boomers. Boomers control $60 trillion worth of wealth today. Millennials are the ones that are supposed to go to college to work for the boomers. But unfortunately, we, don't, we have to work up this ladder. And we have, to, we have to live to this promise that if you work up, if you are a slave long enough, you'll get a treat at the top. Yeah, and what's and that treat? <laughs> cut. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, 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 had a, we had a cut. We had a cut jobs and your salary's too high. Yeah, your retirement's coming up, but... Cut. Next, cut. Oh, you get a pension. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It's, uh, it's going to be paid for inflated dollars. Remember, the, 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 the feds control the printing of money. So, so yeah, so the last 25 years that you work for us, it, it is what it is later. It's, uh, it's, it's just paper, like the same paper that made from trees. The, the value is going back to like the same way you can cut a piece of bark off and go sell it to somebody. Zero. So when you realize what the, what the last system did, you have to, if you don't seek a new system, then you become the blockbuster in the Kodak. I said, you know what? I started studying because I went to college. I went to my professor. I said, teach me about finance. I want, I want to learn about stocks and bonds and, and how to become wealthy. I'm asking someone who's not wealthy how to become wealthy. Mm. So I had to go seek myself. I had to go lose money in the stock market, lose money in my Airbnb business, lose money in all these things. To just, I lost my way to the top. Mm-hmm. And now I said, I'm going to go global because right now our world is the way it is because of lack of leadership. And we are the new leaders. We got to step up. And we're going, we're going harder than hard. That's what first generation millionaires and billionaires is about, is the mindset. People think you have to have the money. No, it's the mindset. It's the prosperity. It's the idea that you can provide for your family and live in prosperity. You can send them to the best school. You can take them on a beautiful vacation and let them go meet kids from all around the world or go live in whatever country you want to. You have to be bound to one state. Go travel the world. Create a new business. Create, teach your kids abundance. Teach them not to be domesticated by one thought. Because this is the future. The future is a connected future. It's no longer a hierarchy, a business where there's one person on top giving orders to the bottom. No, it's, a, it's not a top-down structure. It's a bottom-up structure now. Mm-hmm. And that's why I represent this brand. That's why I, I, when, I, when I first saw it, 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 it dissected, like, like the, the, this, this tattooed into my heart. I'm like, whoa. This is bigger than just, I don't even see dollar signs. I see a future. I, I, I see this getting tattooed on, on young people that said, this is my future. This is a chance for me to speak up and say, I want to be that. And I can, I can live that way without having it. I, I can envision a beautiful future, provide and, and, and educate those that don't know that they can live that mindset in a future where it's decentralized. You have a choice now. And you have 12-year-olds around the world who are creating projects, making millions of dollars because they're first-generation millionaires and billionaires because they just had the mindset of abundance that I can create whatever art I want 
Nobody can stop me. I can press a button and it gets sent to the world. You don't have to think it's valuable. Somebody else will. Yep. Yeah. Because now my audience went from my community to billions. Yep. And it's decentralized. Nobody can stop it. So now that yeah. now the pe- example, Bitcoin isn't just up. People are like, oh, it's up and down. It's up 150,000%. What the fuck do you want? It's been 10 years. And guess what? You didn't walk out the womb and say, I picked a dollar as my currency. No, you were told that you have to receive dollars for your energy. Bitcoin was chosen by the people. It's a choice. Not chosen yeah. by the hierarchy system. Mm-hmm. So now the, now the people are now choosing a currency that isn't backed, controlled, or disposed, or neglected by anybody. It is decentralized. And when it goes up and down, I'd rather it be so volatile to shake the people who are non-believers for the, for the real believers. I'd rather people leave my life that don't believe in me to leave space for those that do believe in me. I'd rather leave people out of my life that aren't pouring into me than those that, who keep pouring. Right? When they say, Phil, you're full of yourself. Yes, I can pour into everybody else around me. <laughs> Damn right I'm full of myself. Fill that cup mm-hmm. up, baby. Damn right. And that's why we're here. That's why this brand is not just a brand. It's a movement. It's a mindset. And that's why, that's why it has to be global. That's why I am global. Bro, you're getting me lit up right now. I got to get out of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I just love it like... Fuck, I'll keep going. Like, you're just, you're speaking volumes. That's what this is. And that's what we're so excited to get out. Like, that's why we've started this, bro. Because the world needs to know this right here and what we're, what we're here to do. We're here to impact over a billion lives. We're here to shake the world. We're here to rewire and re recreate the world. Mm. Recreate new leaders. Like, yes. that's the thing. And people don't, and they just think it's just because some people think it's a t-shirt brand. Wow. Some people just think it's because we want to be a millionaire or we want to be a billionaire. Or we're trying to be cocky and let people know. All I got to say is for the audience, what he just said is what we're about and what we're about to do. And this is just the beginning. We're just getting started. Oh, this is the biggest movement going on in the world right now. And as our voices are heard and as we continue to speak volumes and now young people can now tattoo and say, I believe. I'm not going to believe my parents that say that you can't be a millionaire until you have it. No, I can create it before I have it. I'm now. I am that because once you prepare for it now, when you prepare to receive it, then it comes to you. You, you, gotta have, you can't just say, um, I want to be an NFL player and not practice how to be an NFL player. Yeah, Dude, it's crazy because we talk about it. One of my friends, when we first launched this brand and we had our shirts and we were selling them, he says, bro, like, I like the t-shirts. It's great, but I don't, I don't want to buy one and wear it because I'm not one. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. bro, it hit. And I said, it's this right here. You're looking at it from a different perspective. And at that time, I wasn't one, but I wore it with pride because I know I am one. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's what's like where it hits. And then it just, and that's the message we have to get out to the world. You know what I'm saying? You know that misconception when people say, if I had a million dollars, I wouldn't spend on this. It's like, well, then go get a million dollars and tell me what you'll spend it on. Go that's get it. Because you have it already. You just got to go get it. Go get it. Yep. Because yeah. you know what I told myself? I was like, I'm not buying no designer. I'm not doing this and that. Well, guess what? When I hit my first two, I, I hit about 200,000. Shit, I was Louis Story. I bought a bag. I bought some <laughs> shoes. I walked, uh, I walked out like, ah. Yep. Why? Because I can. And I didn't give a fuck what the hell happened. You could have took it out of my hand. Cool. It was just the experience. Well, yep. Fuck the bag. It was the experience and the enjoyment of being able to. And even if you do that for your, if your kids can wear design, who cares? They're going to they're gonna grow out of it anyways. Right? People think it's about like wearing the shit. You can wear it in private. Go Zuckerberg. We're, we're designing with no logo on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're the same outfit. I told myself, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm gonna go Zuckerberg so hard because I don't care. I'm going to wear the same damn thing every day. Who cares? 
All this stuff means nothing. It's the words yeah. I got to get out here. It's the movement. It's the impact. Yeah. It's the lives we're going to touch, right? It's the message. Bro. People got to listen to the message. It don't matter the person. It don't matter what they're wearing. It don't matter what they have. It's the message, message they're bro. getting out. So for to cap this out, where can our audience find you? And what message could you leave with them that's going to resonate that they won't ever forget? Wow. So you guys can find me. It's CryptoPhil. It's underscore underscore CryptoPhil. Um, I'm going to start my YouTube channel actually here in about, I'm challenged to do it in a week or two. So I'll start my YouTube channel and be able to pour in you guys. I'm going to be speaking high volumes with this tattooed right next to my chest. Um, but I'm going to be creating free eBooks and, and well, just for a limited amount of time, but just giving you guys value. The whole goal is to elevate you guys and serve you guys. And the last thing I can lead you with is, uh, if you guys are going to jump into the next chapter of your life, Right, if you guys are gonna, if you guys are gonna make a choice to shed, just make sure that you are, you have you have the intent with your intentions, right? So you you are very intentional. You are not just in belief and you have faith, but you have to authentically believe where you're going, who you are, and make sure that your identity is, isn't confused with what your society has built you to become. Because we can be a collection of our thoughts. And until you break that domestication of what people would say that you were or who you are is when you figure out who you truly are. And when you find out how powerful of a person, how powerful your story and your message is, you'll find out who and what you can impact and, and how to get started now. Like the power of doing it right now. Stop waiting for your parents or your friends to tell you that you're worthy. You don't, I'm sorry to say it, but you don't need them. You have you. And there's so many people around you that support you. And I encourage all of you guys to just level up. And if there's anything that, if any questions you have, please reach out to me. I'd love to serve you. Bro, thank you so much for being on our, our podcast show. I got a lot of value from it. I don't know if you did. I took notes. Bro, it's like, <laughs> like if you could notes. see inside of me, if you saw the energy right now, it's like this Bolton. just freaking going. Yeah. So all I gotta say is thank you, bro. I think you brought a lot of value. I hope this got, you guys got a lot of value from this. Um, dude, yeah. I'd, I'd this, I almost want to be like, dude, this, the, you, this is the man. He walks on water, glows in the dark. You know what I'm saying? The man, the myth, the legend, bro. You are, I, I love it, man. Thank, Thank you. you for being on. I've learned so much from you. I just love your authenticity, the love, the caring, and the need to be a leader and to change the world. So wow. thank, Thank you for you. everything, man. I can't just wait to see like where you're going and what we're going to do together, bro. So this oh, is awesome. Man. Thank you so much, bro. Love it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate just it. Thank you guys beginning. for watching this. We're just getting started. Uh, this is just the beginning, started. guys. Yes, sir.